2: when people think of today's north carolina mc they probably think of popular artists like j cole the baby rhapsody and then they also think of wale drake kedrick kendrick um kanye just to kind of name a few in terms of what people have been influenced by what this group is that i'm about to introduce has who they've influenced um and i would totally agree with that uh, i think little brother has influenced so many people, and I heard the sound, and it's North Carolina. And with that, I want to welcome them to Live library with Tim Uh, man, Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, As I said, you guys came out of North Carolina, but these artists came after you. So who were you listening to? Uh, What was the North Carolina scene when you guys were there? Um, At the time,
1: you know, of the two of us, I'm actually, you know, born and raised in North Carolina. Uh, Pooh, you know, was uh, born and raised in Virginia. And, um, you know, for me, North Carolina was always like a melting pot of sounds. So where I grew up in Greensboro, North Carolina, it was a college town. So what you had was like this influx of a lot of -of out-of-towners, a lot of people coming from up north, um, coming down and going to school. You also had (laughs) drug culture. (laughs) You know what I mean? You also had, you know, the drug dealers that was coming from up north and kind of making their way down, working their way to Atlanta, you know what I'm saying? So you had all these, uh, northerners bringing their influence and their sound with them. And, you know, then you also had the DC people that was coming and bringing go, go, you know what I mean? So for me, it was just always just this incredible melting pot of just a lot of different sounds and personalities. And I didn't understand at that time that that was new, or that that was something that was rather unusual to me. It was just home. It mm-hmm. was just Greensboro. So when we came out and um, people were like, oh, they don't sound like they from the South. I was just like, well, shit, we from my South. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that was my experience. So, uh, so at that time, yeah, you had MCs coming up. Um, you had, you know, the busy boys, they were a local crew um, that included uh ski who is now, you know, you know, Ski Beats, who went on to produce Rockefeller and um, you Can't know, Jay Z Camp Low, the whole, you know, Uptown Saturday Night album. Uh you had um oh my God, man. You had oh man, you had Entice who later went on, she ended up running with like Deadly Venom. They was like this girl crew that was like a Wu Tang affiliate crew. Um you had Fu Front it was like one of the first artists I remember that to signed to uh a major. They signed a Mercury in like ninety four and Diamond D like produced, oh, wow, you know, yeah. their record, you know what I mean? So that was like big, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, you just had all these like local crews and you know, they each showed me what making it look like. You know, it was like, Man, if they made it out of here, like, wow. You know I mean? They're, 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 it showed me that there is a line from here to there. Mm-hmm. And so that was kind of stuff that I came up on. For me, um, just growing up in Northern
3: Virginia, like we gravitated more towards um, what was happening in New York. So I grew up on, and I had a friend that was from New York and like most New Yorkers, when they move somewhere, they bring New York with them. Yeah. Um, so that's how I got into Wu-Tang. I got into Biggie. I got into Nas. Like, Mob Deep. Like, I, it was him bringing music down. And I got to give a special shout-out to BMG and um, how you used to get, you can get, like, 10 CDs for, like, six cents. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember those days. My brother figured out – he figured out different how to addresses. rig the system. <laughs> Same address.
1: Oh, different, yeah, names. <laughs>
3: different names. Different and, names. And we would just – we would just get so many, like he got, I say we, cause I ended up stealing some of them CDs, <laughs> but he would just get so many different CDs and he would just be, he'd see a cover or a name and it'd interest him and he'd get it. And um, like, it was that. And then it was go-go music. Like that's what I grew up on was go-go music. And so um, when I moved, when I went down to North Carolina to go to school, to go to college, I was 18 years old. And just to see that atmosphere was similar to what I already experienced in Virginia. I mean, you had the influx of, you know, more what people would call like traditional Southern music. But for the most part, it was a melting pot, just like it was where I grew up at. So, Mm. um,
2: you know, I felt right at home. Uh the new album Made the Lord Watch is I think an incredible album and it definitely reminds Thank you so me so much, man. Reminds me of all the albums before. And the crazy thing to me is that Ninth Wonder isn't on this, but you guys, you know, got a bunch of producers together to recreate the Little Brother sound. Um and the always the thing that I've appreciated about your work is that each album, if I were to skip a track, I would feel like I missed something. Oh wow! So I wow. would never want to skip a track, and same for this album. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, how did you guys do that? Like, how did you kind of um, create a the same sound with totally different producers on this? Well,
3: I tell people all the time that you know, and and, and this is no disrespect to what we did together with Ninth after listening to Mr. Show, but the Little Brother sound is Fonte and I. Mm. Like, you know, you can take those same beats and, you know, put to other MCs, other open. MCs on it. And it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be the same thing. Mm-hmm. So for us, it was just figuring out where we wanted to go and making it all make sense. Um, soundscape wise, but the little brother sound was going to always be there because we were there. And like I said, it was just us figuring out, you know, we had to sit down and refigure each other out. Man, and then, listen. which was its own process, and then as we, as we, re, you know, got reacquainted with each other and how we both create at this point in our careers, th- we were able to take all of that and figure ex- exactly what we were looking for sound-wise because we couldn't describe it. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, like, you know,
1: it's art. I mean, it's subjective, and it's just one of those things where, you know, um, you know it when you hear it. And, you know, I think the past couple of years, uh, since I've been away, since me and people weren't doing little brother, you know, I spent a lot of time doing, you know, work for TV and doing, excuse me, doing verse, uh, doing voiceover work and things like that. And, you know, I had, you know, one of my homies in the voiceover game, you know, he's always told me, he's just like, man, if you don't get a gig, you can't take it personal. You know And I mean, it doesn't mean that, Ah, oh, you're a shitty voice actor, or whatever It's just you maybe the producer was looking for something else, and that really just changed my outlook on my approach for art and it just it really helped me to not take any of it personal. It was just like, listen, if it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. There's no need to, you know, beat yourself up about it. Let's just find the thing that works. And so, when we were crafting the album and just looking for beats and working with the producers that you know we had worked with before, and some producers we had never worked with before, once you identify that thing, you got it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, it's the getting to the, finding the thing is the hard part. But once you find it, and once the producer sees it, it's like, ah, that's what you're looking for, then it becomes easier to kind of replicate and to flesh out over the course of an album.
2: Uh when you guys were you came back together to kind of you know refigure things out, right? Um do you remember the first I mean the first track maybe that was written for this that kinda of said, All right, this makes sense. This makes yeah. sense to go back together. I
1: think the first track that we uh wrote together was everything that was the very first track. That track is dope. Oh, thank, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, that was the very first time that we sat down and um, and, and wrote together in, you know, nine years. Yeah. And so we did that one. And uh, and then right after that one, the next one was The Feel. And that just kind of, you know, it was like, all right. Okay, we got that one and then after that one I think the one where we was like I was like yo we back good morning, good sunshine. morning sunshine. No, That was the one was we was ahead. like okay, this is LB. Like we got it. And so um it so that was a little bit of a learning curve there just kind of figuring each other out again, but good morning sunshine yeah, like who said that was the one we like okay. We we full speed ahead now.
2: I want to ask you about everything. Uh, it's a, of course a very smooth, mellow track, but mm-hmm. the best thing, I think, a great thing about it is that it samples MOP's "Andy Up," uh, <laughs> which is not a smooth. It's like I'm At gonna all. beat the shit out of anyone <laughs> track, right? Uh, so how did that? How did that happen? How did like what is the MOP "Andy Up"? What does that do for that track? Man,
1: it just it's it's a juxtaposition, you know. what I mean, it's uh, you know, uh, Crisis or uh, who produced that track? You know, he sent it to me and sent it to us and. Me and Pooh were just sitting over listening and I was like, yo, I think, you know, I I think this is it. I think it can go. And so we laid our vocals down over it and I was like, yo, man, it just needs something just to give it some energy. I'm a big fan of, um, which is something that like it's, I think it's kind of hard to do now because of sample clearances, but you know, I'm just a big fan of referencing other classic hip hop records and my stuff, you know, just doing those little callbacks and those things that, You know, the average listener may miss it, but a hip-hop fan is going to be like, oh, shit. You know what I'm saying? Just those kind of fan service kind of things. And so with the MOP, uh, that, oh, oh. That was something that me and Pooh used to do on stage already. You know what I mean? And so we would do it live and I was like, yo, what if I just threw that in there? You know what I mean? And so, uh, I hit, you know, my DJ, uh, Flash and, um, you you know, we, we, we threw it in and, um, yeah, man, it just, it was just something just to give it that dimension and also a nod just to, um notability to Billy and, and, and Fame. You know what I mean? We toured with them in yeah, the, Splash Europe. the Splash Festival. Splash Festival in Germany. In Germany. Yeah. This is like back in like, oh, don't get me to lie about it. <laughs> yeah, it was a minute ago. Splash Festival nine. in Germany went Jay-Z
3: headline, and Shaggy went on before him. That's all I know. <laughs> Google it. Shaggy. I- Ice
1: Cube was one Ice night. Cube and Ice Cube bodied that yeah, shit.
3: That's when we actually got to really connect with MOP. Like, they cleared the stage, and... Uh, MOP was like, oh, we going, we going up there, like y'all with us, come on. And it was just us and MOP. <laughs> I got to meet Ice Cube, which is like, real nigga, quick, yeah. It was quick, but nigga, I was ecstatic. Met WC, w- C. Yeah. Um, who's a fan, and uh, we was on side of the stage going crazy, like it,
1: Little Brother MOP watching watching Ice Cube. Ice Cube. Yeah, that shit was nuts. So yeah, that was just a nod to that, and just you know, a, a, almost like a tribute, you know, just to the, the energy of that track.
2: Uh, I think a, a great tribute you do and on everything is when you both spit special edition a pause for combat. Mm. Uh, assuming you talk about combat, Jack. absolutely. Yep. Um, He's prior to passing, he was on the show. I had him on the show to talk about um, stuff he was doing with Spotify and the podcast. Uh, and most amazing guy I've ever talked to. Most um, definitely. What was his for you guys? Uh, what, what what what's the biggest loss to the culture with him? His passing. Um, his voice, man, like. He,
3: he was able to, even if you didn't really listen to rap like that, like, if you just, you know, you just kind of, you jumped in, jumped out, whatever. But he his voice, like, he was able to make everybody that he had as a guest, like...
1: Made them relatable to you, even if you may have only heard him like once or twice. Yeah, right? he was able to bring it out of them, even if yeah. you weren't a fan. He could just engage with them in a way that you were curious to hear. You may not listen to him on any other show. You gonna listen? But you to can listen to him on, him on Combat. Show, right? I think he he was like Johnny Carson in that way. Like you know, the old school guys would say, you know, with Carson and on this show, no act was bigger than Carson. You didn't watch Johnny Carson because of who was on the show. You watched it for Carson. Mm. And I think it was the same thing with Combat, man. Combat was just a dude that to me, I just thought the biggest loss, you know, on top of what Pooh said, just his voice. I think it was just his energy, man. He just had a very loving spirit, and, you know, every time we saw each other, it was always love. It was always positivity. It was just a real, just a genuine thing that just, you know, emanated from him, man, and people like that just in this industry are really rare, you know what I mean? It's just very rare that you meet people who are both talented and are, you know, genuine people, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, we spoke, you know, we would text each other and shout each other out, you know what I'm saying? no oh, before, you know, he passed and we would just have conversations and it wouldn't even be like on no rap shit or whatever. Right. It would just be just about life. And, you know, at the time, I mean, it's documented now, but you know, he was, you know, going through a divorce, you know, with right. his wife. And I've been through a divorce some years earlier and I just told him, Hey brother, you know, if you ever need a, an, an ear, you know, hit me up because I've been there and, and you going to need, you going to need somebody because <laughs> it's going to be sometimes you going to want to do some ignorant shit. <laughs> and before you do that, please give me a call. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and so, uh, so we would just have conversations, man. But yeah, just his loss was such a big thing. And uh, we mentioned him, uh, Combat Hagar. That was a shout out to uh, our friend, uh, Darian Hager. Who was another uh, brother in Durham, North Carolina? Um, He was like a he worked security. He did like some concert promotion, everything. But he was just really warm, great, you know, just genuine guy. And uh, he passed of colon cancer. Oh wow! And so you know that kind of those lines, with that being the first song that me and Pooh recorded after nine years, um, shouting those two men out that we lost, and you know, two friends of ours that had passed. I think that kind of set. Uh, a, a, a tone and a, and a precedent for how serious the rest of the work was gonna be. Mm-hmm. It's like, man, we done lost some of our partners, homie. Like, we gotta come correct on this shit and do right.
2: With, with that, I mean, you on, um, right on time, uh, Fonte, you spit Survivor's Guilt because I was built a little, a little different in the ride. <laughs> is that kind of referencing what you just talked about now, or is it? Yeah, tone? yeah, I think
1: it is. It's referencing some of that. It's also just kind of referencing, um, You know, like being in your family, like my man, uh, Gerard Carmichael, he has like this joke where he says, you know, I have to tell my accountant, you need to create a whole nother, a whole nother column on NXL for being the first nigga in your family to make it. <laughs> like, that's, like, expenses that's. this that come with that. Yo, that's, that shit is so fucking real. You know what I mean? And, you know, it, it was, it was hard for me. I, I had definitely had those moments where you have that survivor's guilt where you feel like, you know, as I, I say in the song, you know, I was going through a storm and asked the Lord why you go through hard times and it's like, why? And then when you get that big check or you get that big look or whatever, you ask the same thing. It's like, well, damn, why me? You know what I mean? And, and it is a little bit of, you know, survivor's guilt, you know, a little bit of self-sabotage there because you don't feel worthy of those things. You feel like, or at least I I, I felt, to you know, to personalize it, I felt like, man, like, you know, I'm the one who made it. You know what I'm saying, and that's it's like you missed the glass or some shit, you know what I'm saying and um and and that and that fucked with me you know for for a while and um it's dangerous the danger in that is that when you feel that you don't deserve something, you internally and unconsciously do things to fuck it up right <clears throat> so um it was important you know when me and Pooh was working on this record, I was like you know we we doing. I work on, you know, on the album, but I also got to keep doing work on myself to make sure that I'm in the right place and I'm fully present and I show up the right way in doing this record.
2: So when 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 actually when you guys are working together and you're hearing your verses go back and forth, uh, are there those discussions that you're having about like if a lyric stands out to you that you're kind of like trying to ask him what he means by it or vice versa? Um,
3: not I mean when we' doing when we're going back and forth it's I mean for this record in particular um af- every time we wrote something we we kind of like checked in with each other like, yo, let me this is what I got what you think you know what would this sound like to you um, how can I make it better uh what you hear coming Like, you know what I'm saying yeah. so it was like it was a true and honest collaboration in that, and that's something we never really done to that magnitude before it was normally just alright man what you got? Alright cool alright I'm going to come in and do this and and just having that collaboration and I think that was that was an extension of us working on our relationship like for real at the same time and so that all that comes through in the record is like we're working on our relationship while working on this record and that's carrying over into the record which which means we're having conversations that we would have never had before yeah. as we're as we
1: we're now. Now never had before in real life or on the record or on the record you right. know what i mean like Pooh having a line like you know talking about you know doing uber pickups you know trying to i mean that's something that he never you know 10 you know 15 years ago when we first started who would never have been that honest. Like he never would have been that raw five, five on <laughs> <have been> the <laughs> right? Nah, straight up. But you know, but those are the moments that, that resonate. And, you know, I think a mark of great art is that you, it has to make you a little bit uncomfortable. If, if your art doesn't make you a little uncomfortable, you haven't done your job. You didn't, you didn't leave it all on the, on the table.
2: Uh, in right on time, you also, you reference uh, the War Report. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously Capone and Noriega's debut album. Yes. Um, what, what was their impact on, what was that album impact on you as an artist? Then also, uh, Bigfoot, do you have a, like a go to album that could be the War Report, but maybe something else? It's definitely not the War Report. But
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, shout out to, to, to Capone and Noriega. I do like that album. Uh, for me, my go to album, um, it's actually two albums, uh, Ilmatic and That's America's most wanted. That's a pretty good album. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, good, pretty, good, right? pretty good. Um and I those two albums are my go-to. And and, and my third one is AT Aliens. Um, for uh, Nas and and Ice Cube, those two are and those two albums in particular are the reason why I I want to do I wanted to do what I do. Um just hearing how they told stories, how they were so descriptive it's almost like you weren't listening to a rap, you were listening to an audio book, right? Mm. And that appealed to me because I loved stories and I wrote stories, and and so those are my albums, along with At Aliens, that I go to, like it's almost like a refresher course. Yeah, you need a refresher like a, yeah, a course, masterclass. Yeah, features. you go back and well, I go back and listen to those albums just to get me that, like, okay, all right, that that was the that was the pickup that I needed. That was the Mm reset that I needed. And then, and then
1: I go back to work. Yeah. Um, for me, just the war report, that was just the record that, you know, I mean, that came out in like 97. So that was my freshman year at college. And again, you know, we're moving into college, uh, doing, I went to North Carolina Central University. I graduated in Oh one. Um, my degree was in English major, but my concentration was journalism. And so, man, um, You know, we moving in, you know, freshman year and it's transplants is everybody. We all on the same hall. And there was a dude on my hall and he was from Jersey. And I cannot remember his damn name. I can see his face clear as day. I can't remember his name for shit. But this motherfucker played the war report on repeat. And he was just blasting and have his dorm door open and he would play it. And I'm just like, nigga, like do you have any other album you could play? <laughs> he would just play that shit. And, um, you know, he, he would, he would let that shit go. But, um, I remember the record that really spoke to me. Like he would play blood money and, ah, uh, like, first off, I mean, to me, impeach the president is the greatest break beat ever. Mm. Like that's just my number one break beat of all time. And, you know, just the energy in that record. And, you know, I remember, like, they would play it. that We would have, like, college night at this club called The Power Company. And we would go there. And, you know, this is Bad Boy. You know, it's still kind of running shit. Mace. And, you know, um, th- this is kind of the beginning of, like, the No Limit era. Yeah. Like, that shit is starting to happen. And so them records is going off. But at the end of the night, you know what I'm saying? I remember one night I was there, the DJ. He was like, yo, 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 man, fuck all that shit. Yo, this is for my thug, niggas. And he, said, he played Blood Money. And, like... I think like a couple of girls stayed on the floor. <laughs> but like people just scattered and all these dudes just bummer us full, like, oh, oh. And um I just I always loved that record, man. So it was for me at that time, it was almost like counter programming. It was just, you know, in an era of like kind of posts, like bad boys kind of this is post Biggie's death. Um, death row is, you know, that's kind of was on the decline. And, you know, you just had this masterpiece, like no limit was really coming with just that super clean, you know, super kind of glossy kind of sound. War Report was just the total opposite of that. And, and it just spoke to me in a real way.
2: Uh, Robert Bigpool, you recently told Complex that we, we wrote Black Magic Make It Better to Inspire, no matter your st- personal struggle, where you are starting in life. Waking up gives you another shot at being better than where than the day before. Um, was this was was Black Magic make it better um, about a personal story, a personal struggle, or is it more about sh- struggle for those who don't have that voice? Um, I mean, it's always
3: some personal in there, um, but it's definitely for you know other people as well. It's just. You know, it's one of the always say when people be like, yo, man, how you doing? I'm like, shit, I'm doing good. I'm above ground. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Straight up. I, I got an opportunity to, to to be better than I was the day before, um, to make things right, you know, that I need to make right. And, you know, just this song in particular, man, it's just like as as black men, the fact that we even made it to 40 and 39 is fucking amazing. We beat Which uh, it
1: shouldn't be amazing. Yeah, <laughs> but
3: but, it is. but it's very yeah. amazing. The fact that we're both doing something positive and, and, and stay remained on the right side of the law is fucking amazing. the fact that, you know, waking up is like, nigga, the fucking, the realest theme park. Uh, it's really the, any amusing amusement park ride or any <laughs> fucking, I don't need jumping. to seek
1: thrills as a black man. Nigga, My life, life is, is a thrill. It's just, <laughs> right. Just
3: all the shit we got to go through on a daily basis. And, and to still wake up every day and be happy to be here mm. like nigga that's magical <laughs> you know what I'm saying that's that's some magical shit yeah, And so real. and 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 that's for me that's what this song represent man um it's just like yo like i said it's, it's it sounds simple but it isn't yo i wake up every day thinking god that i woke up and i have a chance to be better today than i was yesterday <laughs> like that's the realest shit ever. And and I know it's a lot of people that feel that way. And if you don't feel that way, you hear this song and you start thinking like, damn, you're right. I did wake up today because you, you take shit like that for granted. But, you know, we're at an age. I mean, I face my own medical scare and. You know we're seeing people that we know and love you know passing away and you're facing that mortality when you 20 you think you fucking invincible like can't nothing happen nigga I'm gonna be here for a long time nigga long time could be tomorrow nigga (laughs) like your long time could end quickly so um that's all I was thinking about all those things when we wrote this record man and it's just to inspire people man like yo shit you got another chance man like take it like do something with it. Do something real with it. And that's what it represented
2: for me. There's a couple of lines that I could totally be t- interpreting it wrong, That's right. why I have you here. So that's <laughs> right. uh And it's because I see these lines not as you calling out anyone. It's you kind of being like, really, though? Like, yeah. yeah. You know, like that. And it's, uh, well, Fonte, it's the end where you spit. you really about that life. or are you just hashtagging? And then Pooh comes up and goes, you're really self-made. Are you, or is your cash app? Are you cash out? Yeah. 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 So is that a calling out line or is that more like, all right, stop the bullshit, you know, you're absolutely stop, stop the, bullshit. the bullshit. Like, you
1: know, you, you can't say, you know, you know um, what people is, what, what is considered as activism or uh, wokeness or whatever. Now um, a lot of it is just, you know, it's just kind of for show. And so, you know, I think the question that you have to ask, you know, anyone that is trying to help someone or is trying to just make things better in their community or whatever. I think the main question you have to always ask is what have you given of yourself? And, you know, it's very easy to get online and to, you know, just hashtag and, you know, say whatever. I mean, that requires nothing to do that, that, you know, that can be very easy, uh, easy way to show it. And I mean, again, I mean, if, if that's truly all you can do, then, Hey, I mean, it is what it is, but, uh, you in order I think to really make an impact in your life and in other people's lives, you know, there's something that you have to be willing uh, to sacrifice and you can't be afraid to tell your story and to tell your truth. And, you know, that was just that line. It's like, you really about that life. Like, you know, everybody want to march till it's time to go to jail. You know what I mean? <laughs> so if you're going to step out there and that's how you choose to fight that front, you know, you, you fight the war on that front, the marching, the protest or whatever, um, you know, we stand behind you and do that. Yeah, but you got to be willing to see that all the way through. And, you know, it ain't just a hashtag. You you really got to be about that life and you really got to stand on what you say.
2: I want to ask you about uh, sampling. And it, okay. it, it goes more to the, um, so you have the skit inside the producer studio with Les mm-hmm. Love. Uh, you know, the character, the producer, really, really uh, talks about the days of sampling. It's <laughs> over. It's <laughs> over. But the next track is Sitting Alone, which, which samples, is a very big fucking sample. Yeah, which is, yeah, which is like one of the most notable <laughs> samples. Uh, Bobby Caldwell's so Open Your Eyes. Yeah. Purposeful? The two together? Um, not in not, that not, way. Not in that way. Yeah. Not uh, that way. I, it
3: happened
1: like that, but not, it, yeah. not in that way. It wasn't, it wasn't wow. intentional. I mean, it was, well, I won't say it wasn't intentional. It wasn't pre-planned. Um, but nah, that was, um, you know, Roy Lee was just always a character that, uh, pardon me. Roy Lee was always a character that I just always envisioned as kind of being, you know, the sir knows to, you know, ninth star child. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just in the, on the parliament records. I, I am going to get you. I will never dance star child. You know what I mean? Like they were just rivals in this, in this kind of fictional universe where, you know, ninth was the traditional boom bap producer and Roy Lee was just this dude making these fucking Tinky Tink Beats on his fucking chord, Triton, you know what I mean? So it was just always just kind of like a friendly rivalry thing. And so uh, when we started kind of conceptualizing the album and then thinking about all these characters and like, okay, where did they end up, where did they go? Um, Roy Lee, I felt it was only right that he ended up on top because that's fucking life. <laughs> you know what I mean? I felt it was only right that the guy that was making – these little plastic, cheap sounding beats 15 years ago in the era of the blueprint and kind of was, you know, the butt of the joke. Now, in the era of Trap, it's like, yeah. he's yeah. the fucking man, you know what I'm saying? So I thought that was just funny. So that was just always the kind of running joke of Roy Lee. Just kind of being the guy that hates sampling and hates sampling producers and just, you know, it's about to boom in the bap and the trap, baby. Like, he's just his that. His time has come. His time, Roy Lee's time in the sun is on May the Lord watch. Roy Lee is living his best life right now and he don't give a fuck about what you think about him.
2: <laughs> uh, for, for Sitting Alone though, when you, um, when you heard that sample, what was like lyrically your immediate reaction to? Um yeah, we we heard that knots.
1: Uh, I think knots is up on like, Instagram he put it
3: on Instagram. Yeah, like Tay hit me and was just was like, like he was like he was like nigga, like that's it. <laughs> yeah, And I heard it and I was like, Yo, we need that. Yeah. And he I hit knots he hit knots like, and about
1: three minutes later he yeah. was like, I got it. <laughs> yeah, not not sent the files, you know what I mean?
3: Yeah.
1: And uh yeah, I you know, I always like, you know, with you know, with samples that Are that were vocal samples, again, I always looked at it as a conversation. So if the vocal sample, I'm listening to what the sample is saying, and I'm trying to think of how do we incorporate ourselves with that and how do we have a conversation with what that sample is saying. And so in putting the song together, it was just he chopped it up to where Bobby Carl was saying, you're still in a lonely place sitting alone. Damn. That's not the original <laughs> at lyric all. at all. You know what I mean? But he chopped it to say that. And so I was like, okay, well, what are some instances where you're in a lonely place sitting alone? And that was when me and Pooh kind of started playing with the concept of having two people experiencing the same thing, but from different perspectives In mm. Pooh's first verse. He's the guy that's, sitting at home alone on his couch experiencing FOMO. Yeah. He's don't want to miss out. And he's looking at, you know, his phone and seeing all these Instagram pictures of the party and like, damn, I I hate I'm going to miss out. But then the other side of it is me being the guy that's actually at the party, taking the bullshit picture, making it look good. But really I'm like, get me the fuck out of here. You know what I mean? So just kind of showing two sides of that same argument how you know perception for one person it can be a totally different thing to another
2: i'm gonna mess this up because i was uh i was listening to the album riding my bike oh wow it probably was a bad idea <laughs> but there's a there's a moment where and i do apologize i don't remember the, the, the track but there's a moment you talk about um i don't hang out with people younger than 25 or yes 28
0: 25 uh, or less
2: 20, 20 yeah 25 or less, uh, yeah. less. yeah uh as you've obviously, we've all gotten older, this, and, and hip hop is getting older as well. Um, when did you, when did you make that decision that, all right, I can't, I can't be that guy rapping. I don't know about like you know women every night and yeah. it like that because one, it's not believable when you're, well, I'm forty, when you're forty, yeah, I'm right? forty too, you know, yeah, I'm forty like, as well. wake up, you hurt yourself, you don't know why, it's just one of us, you know. So, uh, <laughs> when did you guys make that decision? Like, all right, I'm not gonna rap about. Oh, I can't um, rap about that. I think we've always
3: rapped about, like, like from honesty. From pers- like yeah, what from the we perspective of where we were and who we were at that time. So it was never a thing of, like, oh, man, uh, okay, I'm 36 now. I got to stop rapping about the club. It was just, like, I stopped really going to the clubs at 28, 29. I'm not rapping about being in the club anymore. Okay. Like, even on Get Back made a junk call after, after party, after the party. And it was about, nigga, I didn't, we didn't go to the club. We was at the let out. <laughs> like that was the important part. Parking <laughs> lot. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, it was just one of the things, like I said, we we always believed in being honest and true about where we were in life and just taking it from that perspective of, or from where we were. And it just, it was a natural fit. I mean, that's, you know, sitting alone is like where we are. It's just like, nigga, I I look on Instagram like, damn man,
1: they look that like they having great. a good time. But oh well,
3: I know if I went,
1: I would not be having a good time. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not going. Yeah, I think one of like the key things that happened with me, like I, me and my buddy, we, we were joking. Uh, you know, a friend of mine, he had got divorced recently, and you know, he started you know dating again and everything. And so our running joke was if a girl wants to go to a music festival she's too young for you like that that's the line like is it if you date if the girl you're dating if she wants to go to Coachella or like you know whatever fucking bumper shoot or what like, any of these any, festivals any, any festival. if she wants to go to a random just undisclosed location and just be and just basically be in be the dirty, Hunger Games be dirty for a weekend yeah just <laughs> she wants to have the fucking Hunger Games for 3 days with out Trinada playing music. <laughs> like, and shout out to K. Trinata. That's my brother. because ups him. But, you know, but, hey, brother, that's, yo, man, that's, she too young for you, bro. Like, that ain't your lane no more. You ain't, your knees ain't gonna withstand Coachella. He, <laughs> like, just, just get up, my nigga. It's over. So, that was, uh, just a key thing that, um, that always came to mind, like, when I was writing, writing that track.
2: You know, years ago, I saw most stuff with a bunch of my friends and, Wait, it's uh used to be Nokia theater on forty four. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. So you know there's like standing room only and then yes. the And then back. the seats. I mean, mm-hmm. Every young person ran and my friends are like, walk slowly. And like, there's some seats, <laughs> to sit right back down. I was like, this is great. Why would you even stress it? <laughs> we <away?"> appreciate y'all. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, youngins. Um picture this, um, I have a couple more questions. Uh thank you so sure. much. Uh picture this as a reminder to all your fans. Uh, your journey. Mm-hmm. Um, why? Why this reminder to to us? He was a reminder for us.
1: Yeah, well, man.
3: Well, I mean, shit.
1: that that's sometimes you don't look back. It's not until you look back until you realize how far you come. And um, you know, I remember one time it was uh, I, I read an interview with uh, with Lionel Richie, and he was talking about just success and the thing with your success, and the, and it just shook me to my core. He was just like imagine yourself, imagine you driving down a highway at hundred miles an hour and you stick your head out the window. And so you stick your head out the window, 120 miles an hour, you get back in the car and he says, okay, tell me what you saw. And it's just like, damn, like I can't, you know what I mean? And he, and he was saying, you know, the thing with your success is that the question, whatever it is you're into, your success is going to bring more of that into your life. Mm. If you're in the dope, Oh, we going to give you all the dope. If you're in the girls, it's girls, if it's money, whatever. So the question then becomes regarding your success. Can you survive it? Mm. You know what I mean? And that shit really stuck. I was like, damn, that's, that's hard as shit. You know what I mean? And so particularly with, with picture this, um, me and Pooh had never really taken the time to, I think, to really honor each other's journey. You know what I'm saying? Individually. And, you know, what it took for us, just all those years, of just making records and just kind of churning and burning and burning the candle at both ends and in the middle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we was just, you know, so it was important, you know, for me to just us to really honor that and really look back and like, damn, man, like this shit on paper probably was not supposed to work it worked.
3: <laughs> I mean, for me, it just it it spoke to me from the standpoint of, and I say it in the joint. God, God's engineering, Jesus at the wheels. Like, yo, I if it was up to me, I was supposed to go to Old Dominion University. I was never supposed to go to North Carolina for school. If it was up to me, I'd be teaching somewhere. Man. But. God had other plans and for it. Luckily me. it wasn't up to you. It wasn't <laughs> up to me. And and so that's what this song like just even hearing the beat and then when um my man Black Soul when he when he uh him and Tay, you know, got went through the hook and they laid it. That's just what it, it spoke to me, like, yo, this this was your this was your path. And luckily you didn't fight what your path was and you just rode with you just you just rode the wave because you could have had an entirely different future Mm. if you didn't allow the things that was taking place in your life to happen. You know, when they present it to you, you always picked the right door, you know what I'm saying? And Mm. so, um, that's, that's what this, you know, picture this for me. Like it was, it was just taking that moment to really think about it. Like, yo, this is crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I never saw this coming. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I never in the fucking million years saw this coming. So and even when it started happening, I still didn't see it coming. Mm. Like it still didn't, you know, unlike, you know, a Tay. I, and I, I, I know he said this, like it was this or bus and it, it, it was this, or I'm going to be trying to do this for me. It was okay. I'm going to try this, but let me think about what happens if this doesn't work. Yeah. Right. And that's what I had hopes, but never thought I'd sign a record deal. And it was like, so when it really started happening, it was like, yo, this shit is really happening. I'm so unprepared mentally. <laughs> you know what I'm we saying? all were. I yeah, think I, we, I all mean, were, we, yeah. we all were, but, but yeah. I thought I was more unprepared <laughs> because I never like this wasn't something that. I always saw happening for this me. I didn't think this shit was a possibility, nigga. Yeah, <laughs> right. Oh, right. nigga. I was like, man, we gonna have some fun and then I'm 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 gonna finish my degree and shit. You know what <laughs> I'm right. saying? So that's that's this song, like just on that level for me. Like it and, and trying to convey that in a verse is is tough when it's so layered and so deep, but it this song
2: it it just represented all of that for me. Uh the last question to both of you. Um Is there a lyric on this album or even in your career that kind of for individually defined like where you guys are at places as artists and as people Damn. i'll probably say
1: mine i mean it's a couple um mine was definitely the uber line yeah um it was
3: and i told Tay this i was like yo i told my wife i was like yo i started to take that line out as soon as i wrote it like I wrote it, and then I even read it back. I was like, oh, God, no, I got to take this shit out. And I never did. And then, I mean, Tay wouldn't let me anyway. He, he told me there was no way he was taking that out. But
1: Oh, yeah. I would have put it back in. Yeah, I've been like, oh, yeah, man, I deleted that. Yeah, <laughs> Save it shit to was this, was this folder. Right. But
3: um, for me, that was just my real – that was the moment. That was my real moment when I was like, yo, I'm just letting all this shit go. Mm. And – and 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 it I like, I'm I was very uncomfortable when I knew people was gonna hear it. I was like, ah man, what they gonna think, man?
1: But, but that's the line that resonated with the people line. the most.
3: Yeah, and, and, and it wasn't it really wasn't until I started receiving text messages from people in the industry that hit me up I was like, yo, nigga, I had to do that shit too. That line <laughs> hit home. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And it was like, yo, I'm glad somebody said it. That line hit home. And, and it was like, I was like, yo, I'm still uncomfortable, but I did the right thing. And then that also allowed me to let me know, like, yo, you've matured to the point where you're able to, and you're willing to share these truths that you may have stopped short of sharing previously. And so that's, I think for me that like with this record, that's my big moment where I, I understand exactly where I am as an artist.
1: Uh, I think for me, I would probably have to go with um, uh, from all in a day. Just um, my definition of freedom is real tight. You ask me what I'm doing tomorrow. My only response is whatever the fuck I feel like. I mean, that's it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, it's uh, it's very much like, you know, I consider art and, and making a living as an artist. Um, it, it's, you know, I call it, you know, like the Wile Coyote theory where, you know, I was watching TV like one of my little cousins like years ago. And she was like, oh man, Wally Coyote, he'd make it to the other side off the cliff if he just didn't look down. <laughs> and I was like, wow, that was so fucking coming from an eight-year-old. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, damn, that's the truth. Cause Wally, he be making it and and then he realized that he ain't supposed to be doing that shit. So he looked down and Coyote, he'd be fucked up. He'd be over. And so, you know, artists is one of those things, making a living as an artist. And I, and I tell, you know, young artists and just, you know, people that make a living, it's a tough job because you're waking up every day and you're making a living off of your imagination. Mm. Every day is a day where you have to wake up and you say, you know what? There's a thing out there that I know I have to make, but I don't know what it is and let's find out what it is And then let's make it and then after we make it Let's hope and pray to fucking god That someone else sees the value in it So that I can not that I can not so that I can just make more money and be rich and all that I mean, I, I you 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 can get that if you're successful, but I just want people to buy this thing so that I can make my next thing, oh, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, and, and that was just one of those things where, you know, with that line doing whatever the fuck I feel like, it was just that realization of, yo, man, as terrifying as it is, we are people that wake up every morning and we create our own future every day. We have to imagine something new. Every day, in order to stay in it, and if you think about that, if you think about how terrifying that is, if you look down, you're fucked. But if you just keep going and just keep pushing through it, you know, you'll find your way to the other side, and um, that's pretty much where I'm at right now.
2: Um, new album, may the Lord watch, Little Brother, Fonte, Rabbit Big Poo. Thank you so much for being on the line Oh man, thank you for having us. Man. Thank you, brother. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you.